Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. Let's do a quick round of introductions. Um, I'm Derek Youngie, VP of Engineering with Redbrain Networks. Um, trying to get these uh, webinars, or not webinars, um, podcasts kicked off here. Um, Ray, you want to just introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah, Ray Welker, um, Cloud Solution Engineer at Redbrain Networks. Um, Derek's my boss, so he oversees things here, and I'm, you know, here to talk about uh, what SPLC today and uh, um, kind of the idea of implementing security uh, into into pipelines. Okay, and Anorio. Hi, I'm Anorio Catanacci. I'm a software developer for Cover My Meds, um, and I'm just I'm just happy you guys asked me along because I I learned so much from these conversations. It's great, you know. I. I uh, Love talking shop, and this is a great way to talk shop. That's good to hear. Yeah, glad to have you along. So, um, cool. I know Joe's here. I don't know if Joe's uh, able to say hi. He can't. Hey talk. there. Yep. Uh, Joe, Joe Coleman, business development associate here at Right Brain Networks. So, uh, yeah, just uh, sitting under the learning tree today. Cool. Yeah, so the, um, the topic today was. Um, Security through pipelines, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, specifically talking about stuff like, um, well, I guess all all sorts of stuff, right? So, um, to me, I think what, what um, the topic, the kind of where I wanted to take this was, um, oh, Kevin's joined. Kevin, you're able to um, you able to speak. I don't know. I hope I hope people are able to kind of join in and unmute themselves. I don't know if uh... looks yeah, like we're we doing intros. Yeah, we're just doing intros. Yeah, I'm I'm able to mute and unmute without a problem. So I don't know. Yeah, I know that this. I'm not sure if this is a like a webinar thing where. It allows me, uh, only certain people to talk or not. But. Well, I don't know if I'm. Uh, yeah, we can hear you on the list. So if I can, if you can hear me, then it's probably good. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Welcome in. Welcome back. Doing all right. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Kevin's another um, engineer architect here with Right Brain. Uh, we're just getting started, Kevin. We're today's topic is um, security through pipelines. Um. You know, I think kind of the topic that I wanted to talk about is, you know, um, you know, not like I guess all all sorts of stuff, right? Um, uh, in general, I think there's some inherent security to you know doing your builds and deploys through pipelines instead of you know manually. Um, so there's there's that that aspect. Um, I did want to touch on things like static code analysis. Um, and also like security scanning, uh, like once it's actually running, um, kind of making sure that's built into the overall software development lifecycle. So 
Um, that lines with what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> so yeah, I think in general, um, the just using a, um, a pipeline and a build like CICD, I think provides a little bit of security because you don't have people doing stuff manually, uploading artifacts and stuff like that. You kind of have a little bit of um, uh, integrity, I guess is the right word. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, and you got to make sure. I, I was going to say, you got to make sure when you do that kind of thing that there's no way. Well, it's hard to keep you from trying to bypass that stuff. You know, it's like if you've got built into your pipeline to run a static code analysis, it does you no good if people bypass the pipeline, you know. That is true. So kind of, I guess, uh, developers or somebody who's trying to say like, you know, build, build their feature branch or something like that. And they don't want to go through the status code analysis because it's extra hoops to go through. So they just bypass it completely and do a deployment. Is that kind of that right? Idea? Yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing you want to avoid. And, and luckily, I, I, I will say most of the developers I know are smart enough not to do that. They're like, hey, stat code analysis is a good thing. Yep. Uh, but occasionally, it's like, oh, my God, I got to get this going. And I got a deadline. And, you know, and then, uh, you know, all caution is thrown to the wind. Well, it can. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of false positives too, that can be, you know, identified with the static code analysis because it doesn't necessarily always do the best job at, um, I would say, understanding code logic. There's a lot of, I guess, there's a lot of aspects the, the tool has to keep in mind when it's examining your code. Um, but, but yeah, that can lead to developer downtime as, or I mean, well, yeah, downtime to deployments as well. If you have a lot of false positives that you need to sort through every time, um, or maybe you're not seeing the most benefit out of the results from that tool. So I think it does sometimes take a, uh, it, it, it takes a, uh, I guess, intuitive approach to ensuring that your tests are meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. That's an excellent caveat there. Yeah. yeah you got to always, you know, it's like everything else with software engineering. Don't just blindly trust that it's right. You got to check it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, with like static code analysis, I mean, like the idea is like, right, with security and pipelines is to kind of uh, shift left, take, take that mentality and kind of implement security in the earlier stages of uh, your deployment lifecycle. Um, that's, I guess, the approach overall and kind of moving away from like a traditional security approach where um, you're maybe testing after you're, you're running through all these tests after deployment, or you're, you're allowing, um, like manual audits of code. Um, it kind of, yeah, make, making, making everyone's life easier a little bit and, uh, just automating some of those processes is, I guess, the overall idea. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. Yeah. You touched on one of my favorite terms, uh, Ray, uh, shifting left. You know, that um, scanning for security before it, you know, even gets to, to, uh, into any environment, you know, even the dev environment is like, that's such a, that's such an opportunity um, for just building better code and, and building rely, uh, um, resiliency into, you know, everyday practice. Um, yeah. And there's um, 
I guess there's a, yeah, the shifting left idea. Yeah, overall, just taking all of that, which would be done at a later point and trying to shift as much to the earlier stages of that development like cycle. So you have smoother deployments to production or, um, yeah, I mean, cause you don't wanna be resolving issues in, in a production environment necessarily. Um, I, I, I can think of um, certain things that maybe you aren't able to 100% catch prior, but like if you, if you adopt a lot of the methodologies of shifting left and um, a proper like deployment life cycle to like a dev stage prod environment, um, you can implement other areas of security like dynamic code testing as well um, for testing th for things like, you know, uh, SQL injections or testing logins and or connectivity overall. Um, I guess there's a lot of different components to that shifting left model, but not everything can be done at the start of uh, or before deployment. Yeah. Essentially. But the more that you can front load, um, the better, right? Like so often is security an afterthought. Like I, I, you know, I've seen a lot of projects go in a really bad way because, you know, a, a team has, you know, put together an architecture, they've gone through and done the builds. And then they say, okay, at, at, now that we've got something we think is ready to go to production and we've got only two weeks left, let's go see if security can uh, approve this or not. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know when really they should have been in the room at the at the at the beginning of the the conversation in, in the the architecture discussions and things like that. Um, because you know, and I think that's like a, that's a huge culture thing, right? Like people, um, a lot of the times you'll see like you know people be like, oh, you know, we don't want to we don't want to talk to security because they're just going to tell us no, right? Well, right. a lot of that comes from you know, security teams having to tell people no because they get brought in at, in the, the 11th hour and they weren't consulted and they say, hey, if you would have asked me to look at this, you know, at the beginning of the project, maybe it wouldn't have been such a big deal, but now you guys are afraid to talk to us because you've put it off so long and you know you've made decisions that, you know, bypass security. So, you know, you know that there's going to be stuff to that you have to rectify, uh, like, you know, go back and, and um, make right before we can approve this to go to production. Um, so it's like, it's kind of a culture <clears throat> issue that kind of like compounds on itself because of, you know, it, it is like building security into your, your workflow does take work and it's something that needs to be valued. And I think that needs to come from the top, right? The, you know, product and, and project management need to, you know, see value in security um and not see it as just a you know um oh that takes it that adds to my timeline yeah well it adds to my timeline but it reduces the risk right so like everybody you know from the from top down and back and forth need to you know see security as a benefit and see the value in it um and really you know put an effort towards putting a you know um putting that effort into um, get it in, in before it's a, it, um, before it's a afterthought, you know? Right. I, I, you know, and here's a perfect example of, oh, security is a nuisance until somebody hacks into your system is Equifax, right? They knew, at least my understanding is they knew there was a vulnerability in their version of um, Tomcat, I think it was 
that they wanted to patch and you know it's like oh don't worry about it we'll patch it later and then somebody hacked in and grabbed you know tons of information and now it's not a nuisance it's a, it's a gigantic embarrassment for the company and a gigantic uh you know uh security embarrassment for the company it's it's, it's, a, it's it put everybody in america in, in a vulnerable situation exactly <laughs> yep you know, it, it's so crazy that, you know, identity theft is such a serious thing, but like that, you know, people's data in general is like everybody, I, I can I can probably guarantee that absolutely every single person in the United States has ha has their social security leaked by some sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, some sort of hack. Uh, but, you know, this, this single number unlocks all of our, you know, access to this this just absolutely insane thing called credit score <laughs> you know <laughs> and it, it puts us all in this vulnerable situation it's like it's unbelievable that we here we are in 2022 and we still don't have an answer for this you know i've i've had to freeze my credit because um there is a hack of some um mortgage mortgage lender company that i've never had done business with don't have any, you know, don't have any relationship with, they had my data, they lost it. And I've been, you know, people have been opening um, checking accounts in my name, and I have to go and squash them all over the place. Wow. So I've had to, and you know, you can open a credit, uh, you can open checking accounts without having um, to do credit checks. So, you know, I'm continually having to go play whack-a-mole because the, these companies are, you know, not being responsible with the data that they shouldn't have in the first place. Um, it's just, it's, <sighs> all right, I'm, I'll, I'm gonna settle down now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things I wanted to mention, it seems to me like static code analysis is good. I think in the last, I don't know, 10 years, I guess I would say that the, the way we build software has changed a lot because we're now relying a lot more on packages like, hey, I pull in these NPM packages from this job or uh, these JavaScript packages from this server. And so now that the vulnerability may not be in my code anymore, it might be in a package I pulled in and I need to be aware of that too. That's and I think point. that's a huge security hole because a lot of people just trust that these packages are okay. And how do you know, you yeah. know? Yeah, you use, you use static code analysis, right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, um, yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's, um, but there's a lot, there's tools, right? Like I think GitHub was doing a really good job uh, in that, in that ramp realm where they're scanning your, your dependencies and uh, letting you know if you've got upstream, um, security vulnerabilities. I'm not sure of, um, what other, what other tools, uh, are doing that. Like Sonar cube as well. Right. Wouldn't that include, um, some tools yeah to definitely but i don't know if it like automatically looks i think you might have to have your uh dependency and kind of like send it your dependencies i know github i think github like checks your your dependency files on a regular basis and and, and um you know alerts you yeah it's not I just like a the, time. again it's is this this notion of tr treating security as a nuisance rather than a, a primary concern you know it's like, you know, I, I could swear I saw, and it's been several years now, but I saw some academic paper where they did a, a survey of production sites 
and found like 35% of them had known vulnerabilities in the JavaScript they had there. Like this was not even like, this was not even like, oh, this might be a theoretical vulnerability. Like, you know, these were known vulnerabilities that were in production sites that, you know, and it's like, how could you, how could you not, uh, you know, not be concerned about that? How could you not be worried about people hacking into you? And it, it's not that hard to fix either. It's just upgrade your version, you know? Yeah. I think, again, that goes back to the point that it, it is kind of an or, organizational like culture, culture adoption. Um, you need you need kind of champions for security in each department. Uh, everybody kind of takes ownership of security. You don't you don't really think about it as an afterthought, but um, you kind of incorporate it into all the decisions you make. Um, it, it's good to kind of keep security in the front of your mind because, you know, that that really could impact your brand reputation as well, the company reputation. Um, and that that might even be more damaging itself than, you know, maybe data getting out. Um, well, I mean, it, I guess it's together, they're the same thing. <laughs> data gets out, that's going to yeah. impact your, your brand reputation, but, and you're going to lose sales and things, but uh, yeah, you, you might not be trusted. I, I mean, I don't have much say in Equifax itself. They, they kind of just have our information, but you know, if I could choose not to have, have them out there, uh, I, I would prefer that. Yeah, I think a lot of people would rather, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of it depends on what, what data gets, what data they have and what data gets leaked. Obviously, you know, there's the big one that's um, at the forefront of everybody's mind, which is like credit, credit and personal information, uh, um, medical information, stuff like that. Um, but sometimes that, that data is your your product for some companies, you know what I mean? And so if you've been working to mine and, you know, collect this data uh, and you're, you know, you're selling it as a product or access to it as a product, um, you know, you could, you could just be out of a business. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I say it, to me, it's the, the, the situation security is the way it used to be with like, uh, documentation and testing like whenever somebody was running up against the line first thing to go documentation second thing to go testing we can we can test it later we can document it later and of course later never comes you know and so security is is kind of unfortunately for a lot of people falls into that same thing we've got a deadline we've got to get out the door you know we'll we'll check the security stuff later and of course, later never comes because then after you're done, you get it out the door, then it's like, oh, we need this new feature added and this other feature added, you know? So it's it's unfortunate, but that does seem to be the case. Yeah, it does. And I mean, like, yeah, again, it's kind of adopting a lot of layers of security essentially. So like building that into your, your pipelines, um, I mean, we're, we're talking about stuff that is testing your code, you know, looking for, you know, how, how much your code smells, looking for vulnerabilities and things like that, but like implementing other areas. So, something I learned about re recently is I guess the term called like this, the Swiss cheese methodology, which is, you know, Swiss cheese has holes in it, right? So think of, think about your security stack. There, there's holes in every layer. And the idea is not to essentially line your holes up. You, you have another, another slice that's there to test another aspect of your application. So you have your, your dynamic application security testing as well, stuff that stuff that runs after your code compiles and during runtime. So this is kind of things that like 
like OWASP or ZAP, um, something that's kind of monitoring in a running application or running against, or running against a running application. Um, and just, just testing for security in other ways that you can't really get um, prior to having your application running. So that, that takes a strategy of having kind of multiple environments um, so you can catch these vulnerabilities before it reaches, you know, later stages. Yeah, security is done in layers, right? Um, and it's, it's that way so that uh, if anything, you know, if there is a mistake in like say a firewall or a package or something like that, that you've got layers of protection. So like, you know, maybe you do have a vulnerable package um, that allows uh, like a SQL injection or something like that. Uh, well, maybe, maybe you've got a WAF, you know, that um, can protect you from that. So you, you've got that, that extra layer. Or maybe your WAF is misconfigured and it allows SQL injection, but your packages are up to date. And they, you know, they, um, <clears throat> you know, do, um, can identify and uh, escape those things. You know, so it, um, I like your, <laughs> I like the Swiss cheese. Um, yeah, uh, analogy. Yeah, you gotta that's, have multiple pieces of the cheese and make sure your holes don't line up. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely. You know, uh, I I really like all the food analogies in, in tech. You know, I always I always said like security is like a security is done in layers. You know, it's kind of like an onion. If you if you don't cut it right, you're gonna end up crying. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I think part of the thing about security too and you know like i totally agree with you derek about shift it left uh part of the thing about security too is defaults to your friend i mean you know i've never met a developer yet that is well i take that back i've met a few but uh i most developers aren't going to fight the defaults because they've got better things to do with their time than sit there and say oh well this this uh, value isn't safe, but it's the default, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change it. They're just gonna they're just gonna go with what the default the language presents or the library presents or whatever it is. So if you build default into the library to say don't allow SQL injection here, like uh, prevent uh, parameterized query, don't allow it. You're 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 already like so far ahead on on the curve of you know being secure because then the developers won't question that to figure out ways to work around it, ways that are yeah, safe here. You know, from an operations perspective, I often see the opposite, right? Where people don't have time to sit down and figure out the, the exact rules that they may, might need in like AWS IAM, for instance, and just give it, you know, um, oh, here's, here's a star, uh, star, star. wildcard <laughs> everything, star, star, you know? Um, and it, it usually comes down to uh, either lack of um, expertise or more often than ever, it's, it's lack of time um, because, you know, projects are moving too fast. And, um, you know, like you said, like the documentation gets dropped first, uh, you know, uh, testing gets dropped second, security is probably third, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I say I'm, I'm a big believer in make the defaults intelligent. Um, and that's, and that can be really hard to do, of course, you know, because you don't always know <laughs> what's, what, what's the best default to use in a particular case. But I, to me, it's like, yeah, that's, that all by itself saves a lot of grief, not just in terms of security, but in terms of like code too. Yeah, absolutely. I think we brought this up last time, uh, 
I, I'm really impressed with, um, there's like, you can just do include uh, SAST, uh, I think is the, is the thing, and, and Git, GitLab, and it just like does a bunch of open source uh, static code analysis scans. I'm just so impressed by, you know, them putting that out there and uh, making it available to people. So it's really one of those things where you don't have, um, you don't have to go pay SonarCube or Nexus, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, every every year to to be to do static code analysis. There are all these tools out there that are open source and available to you. You just have to, and <clears throat> there's really not, not an excuse to say that we don't have time to set them up anymore either, because it's literally just in your pipeline. You say include this, you know, um, and it's all done for you. So yeah, typically, I mean, there's. I mean, support for static code analysis for every major language that you might be writing your app in. Too. Right. So that, I mean, that's not an excuse in itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I've looked at Code Guru um, from AWS, and it's I really like it. It's a nice product, um, but their their language. Uh, last time I looked at it, and it's been probably a year. Their language coverage is uh, really lacking. It's like Java, Python, and I mean, that's about it. Maybe JavaScript. Uh, let's go yeah. check that. I'm going to go Google that real quick to make sure I'm not spelling misinformation. I, I used to know a fella who worked with check marks and check marks. I asked him, I said, do you guys do anything? Uh, do you, you do C Sharp and Java, of course, right? But do you do Python and stuff like this? And it was just kind of like the market. And it makes sense. I mean, you know, most developers are doing C Sharp and Java, right? So that's where we're going to direct our efforts. And then, you know, I think they may have done Python. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to like you know, tell people, oh, they do Python when I don't know. But definitely, there was definitely not like these uh, more niche languages like F Sharp and stuff like that were definitely not in their wheelhouse because like, yeah, there's just not that much demand, you know. Back back on the Code Guru thing here real quick. It, yeah, it looks like it does support Java, um, JVM languages such as Scala and uh, Kotlin and Python's actually in preview. <laughs> so... Not even fully supported with with Python at the moment. Oh really? Yeah, I see it says uh, Python three and above here for security detection. Oh, is it? Okay, I'm looking at the FAQs. Uh, I was looking at features, but yeah. Either way, um, you know, that's uh, there's not a lot of coverage, right? Um, so you know, those open source tools are still uh, necessary. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a thought crosses my mind uh, as as people depend more on like uh, or may start depending more on things like GitHub Copilot and stuff like this. Well, how will that impact the security landscape? Because, again, people are probably not going to look look real closely at what they're getting from Copilot to see if it's secure or it isn't. You know, is that something that GitHub will try to build in, do we think, you know, say, you know, hey, we've got this um, machine learning thing that built, you know, tells you what code you're most likely to want. Are we now going to modify it to say, okay, now this is not secure. So we're going to discard this suggestion or, or what do you think? I think if they're not doing static code analysis on the code that they're recommending, that's a massive injustice to the world. Um, so I would only assume that they'd be like somewhat responsible and be doing that, that sort of thing. I mean, could you imagine if, you know, like, I think that would be a brand reputation and, uh, uh, issue for them, 
you know, if they weren't doing that due diligence, but um, those are just assumptions. Yeah. GitHub did get bought by Microsoft, so. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I say, I just, <clears throat> I just hope that, um, you know, if people adopt it more, they, they you know, they, they go in with their eyes open. And they're aware of the fact just because Copilot recommends this code doesn't make it necessarily right or secure. And you need to pay attention to security. You know, even if Copilot doesn't, you do, you know. Um, are you are you using Copilot a lot? Because I know you brought it up last uh, last week as well. I mean, I, I haven't used, I've never used it. Um, do you think that's something that developers are going to start relying on more? No, I haven't used it either. Honestly, I just it's it's on my radar because I keep seeing people talking about it. Um, yeah, I you know I gotta say it, it seems to me over my career I went from like C to C plus plus to um, you know databases stuff and like this, and it seems every time we have a big shift in development it's opening the 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 possibility of building software to more people which is a great thing and i think copilot is is one of those things that's going to open the possibility of building software to more people at the same time though the people that are building software like when vv6 came around all of a sudden lots of people could build gui software and it was great but they were building you know just the bare minimum thing that would work and it in like tons of technical debt. And that was actually just, my first, uh, you know, programming was uh, uh, um, basically like a library checkout system in uh, VB6. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's wonderful that it opens up the possibility to a lot more people. It's just like, it also opens up a lot more technical debt because, you know, people are doing this as, not like I'm, you know, we're professional software developers. We do this all day. You know, the, these other people who are using VB6 at the point when it started were more like, hey, this is a way to automate this one part of my job that's not my main job, you know? And so they weren't concerned about like technical debt and stuff like that, which is fine. They well, you know, you know, you know, you bring up VB6 and stuff like that, but I think my bigger concern is that, you know, with the uh, advent of Node, we've got, you know, front end, like, people that came from uh graphical more like you know image design that ended up in you know front end uh javascript coding and are now writing back end which have access to the database and stuff like that you know what i mean <laughs> so that's that's those are kind of some of my fears but that's uh, an excellent point that's an excellent point but you know you're right it's, it's or anything i just you know i just i say i just i have this awareness of it because it's been around for a while you know yeah um, you know, we're, we're over time here. I did want to just bring up uh, one thing that I think is uh, really important um, with that shifting left and getting security uh, minded folks involved uh, earlier in the process. I think the uh, code owners uh, inside of uh, source control is a wonderful tool. And I want to just make sure that people are um, aware that it exists and that, you know, if a certain file uh, changes within a repository, you can require um, review from specific people. So for things like, um, you, know, you know, coming from the ops world, you know, all of our infrastructure is built with uh, infrastructure as code. So if we have a file that is, um, you know, uh, 
sets up anything that has to do with security, we can, you know, tag a security member to get their review. Um, you know, things like user groups or, you know, access permissions, uh, security groups, networking, stuff like that. Um, you know, I just want to make sure that people are aware that this thing exists and that um, they should be using it. Any other closing thoughts from anybody else? Um, I, 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 I agree with you. I tell you, to me, and I think they said it in pragmatic programmers too, automate as much as you can because computers don't forget steps. Computers don't miss steps. Human beings forget things and miss things. But if you automate it, like, you know, your, your security checks and stuff like this, it won't get missed. So that would be my, my final thought, I guess, <laughs> on the subject. Yeah, and, and you know, to that point, um, making sure that product and business um, understand that this, this automating those things takes time, but there's an immense value in it. Um, and, you know, it may d delay your, your release. Uh, to make sure that you're building these things at, in uh, uh, at the forefront, um, but you know, uh, missing a deadline or um, your time to market is, is much better than um, getting out there fast and failing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Put the work in first, and then you know you benefit it, benefit from it more in the long run. All right. Um, well, Anorio, I really want to appreciate uh, you know. Send a big thank you to you. I uh, hope you've been enjoying lunch. Um, oh, and, uh, my pleasure, man. And yes, I, I, I love, I love talking with other tech people. So this is great. <laughs> well, all right. Well, uh, you know, big thanks again to Ray, uh, Kevin, uh, you know, Joe for helping organize here. Uh, and I think with that, we'll, uh, we'll close up today. All right. Y'all have a good day. You know, thanks. Everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.